0: Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Indianapolis Colts are acquiescing to Jonathan Taylor, but will they get the trade that they want? Is Georgia going to continue to own the SEC this year? And is Steph Curry the best point guard of all time? I'm Kainani Stevens in for Peter Bukowski, and you're Locked On Sports Today. The Indianapolis Colts and running back Jonathan Taylor have had a drama made for daytime television this offseason. Now the Colts are saying that they're open to trading Taylor. Locked On Colts host Jake Arthur joins me to discuss the development. Uh, So we finally have a little bit of an update on the Jonathan Taylor situation. Uh, What are your thoughts immediately as to how this has played out and how we've gotten to this point?
1: Yeah, it's pretty shocking just going back a few months and seeing – Where we're at now, because I mean, just at the start of the offseason program, Taylor was, you know, uh, I hope we get this thing worked out. I'm excited to, you know, be back with the Colts, just real positive. And then just over the course of the the following months, it's gone drastically negative. Uh, If the reports are true that the Colts have not offered anything, I understand his frustration in that. Uh, Taylor has also changed uh, management. So that's another part of it. Uh, Maybe hoping to get a, a deal done more aggressively. Uh, but I don't really think either side has handled this all super well. Um, now, to the point where the Colts are, you know, giving Taylor and his his uh, management permission to seek a trade, it feels like, you know, the only finality to this, because uh, it just seems so unlikely that he sits out all year or stays on the PUP list all year. Uh, a trade, you know, seemed like the most likely outcome, because for him to just suddenly snap to it and be okay with playing for just $4 million after this whole thing has transpired all off season. um, The the trade seemed the only way that he was going to come out of this happy. So it's been real interesting for it to get to this point. Uh, Now, I guess we see what happens in the next few weeks before the season starts.
0: We've heard from a lot of different running backs um, talking about, you know, their value and what they think they're worth and, and, A lot of them still looking for jobs and and whatnot. What's the market going to be for him?
1: It's probably not great because the Colts are also a team that aren't necessarily just going to give guys away for pennies. Uh, They want to they do try when they do trades, they try and do right by the player. Uh, They want to send them to a contender or somewhere where they can play. Now, obviously, Jonathan Taylor is going to go anywhere and be the the top guy. Uh, But I've got to imagine the only types of teams that will even want to take that on will be contenders uh, because you're also going to have to be okay with paying him after this because that's been the whole thing with Taylor is I'm sure he at least wants a couple years like he wants stability in his contract situation uh, so anywhere that trades form is almost certainly gonna have to give him a new deal as well uh, teams like Miami makes sense you know they were in the market for Dalvin cook for example uh, that's a team that obviously has playoff aspirations they make sense. Uh, I don't know how seriously Chicago takes themselves right now, uh, but they certainly have the, the ammo to go get him. Uh, if they think you know adding someone like Jonathan Taylor with Justin Fields takes them to the next level to where they could perhaps win the NFC North or something, uh, that makes sense for them as well. Um, I don't know. I, I don't see a bunch of teams out there willing to both give up that compensation and give the new contract because uh, I think it kind of has to be the mix of the right ingredients. They have to be able to give up either a first round pick or some sort of equivalent, you know, a couple second round picks or something along those lines. Maybe the Colts want what Christian McCaffrey garnered, you know. Uh, Mm -hmm. But again, they also have to have that salary cap space. So I, I don't know if there's a ton of teams out there that can pull it off.
0: And you've mentioned the team wants to get their money's worth out of it. They're not just going to sell them to sell them. Right. So what's a timetable for this? Is this something we're going to see before the season starts, or is it maybe later when a team loses a player and they need to address running back?
1: I've got to think both teams would probably be, you know, motivated to get this done in the next few weeks before the season. Uh, Cause for Taylor, he's got to prove that this ankle thing isn't as big of a deal as it's been all summer, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are a little skeptical of it because the it wasn't supposed to last this long. The recovery wasn't. Um, but, you know, they probably want to just get everything settled. You know, this this guy's out of here. and We now know what our depth chart looks like. And then for other teams, they probably want to have this guy ready to go as well, because he's also not been in training camp. So at the minimum, I've got to imagine he's got to have at least two or three weeks to get ready to play again. Uh, And again, that's at a minimum because he hasn't been around all offseason or training camp as far as physically participating on the field.
0: Stay up to date all year long on the Indianapolis Colts by subscribing to Locked on Sports Today and Locked on Colts on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thank you for making Locked on Sports Today your first listen. Coming up, will Georgia continue to reign over the SEC this year? But before we answer that, the Knicks apparently had a spy in their midst last year. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time that they win in the regular season. You can use your bonus bets on point spreads, player props, over-unders, lots of things. So what you could do is sign up, place a bet on the 49ers to win it all and get paid for every win that they accumulate in the regular season before the Super Bowl even happens. You can also combine prop bets within a game to make a same-game parlay for even bigger payouts. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on. Start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The New York Knicks believe that they had a spy in their midst last year, and it's the Toronto Raptors' fault. The Knicks are suing the Raptors and a former Knicks employee named Ike Azatam, alleging that Azatam provided the Raptors with thousands of confidential files during the 2022-2023 season. According to the lawsuit that was filed in Manhattan District Court, the Knicks are claiming Azatam provided the Raptors with play frequency reports, a prep book for the current season, video scouting files, opposition research, and much more after the Raptors began recruiting him to join their organization earlier this year. Michigan is self-imposing a three-game suspension for football coach Jim Harbaugh to begin the 2023 season, all of this stemming from alleged violations during the COVID-19 dead period. The university announced this on Monday saying, quote, while the ongoing NCAA matter continues through the NCAA process, today's announcement is our way of addressing mistakes that our department has agreed to in an attempt to further that process. That's in a written statement from Athletic Director Ward Manuel. He went on to say, we will continue to support Coach Harbaugh, his staff, and our outstanding student athletes. Per the NCAA's guidelines, we cannot comment further until the matter is resolved. In MLB action, Cal Raleigh homered twice and drove in six runs. And the Seattle Mariners beat the Chicago White Sox 14 to two on Monday night for their seventh straight win, they now plant themselves in a three-team race with the Rangers and the Astros for the AL West. The Astros aren't going to let the division go quietly as they faced off against the Boston Red Sox.
2: And hey, there, H M Whitehouse here Locked On Astros, and the Astros beat the Red Sox, the streaking Red Sox, nine to four tonight. Look, Paxton was on the mound, and the last time he faced them with the Yankees, he actually dominated them and outdueled Justin Verlander. Not tonight. That's right. The Houston Astros defeated them. Chaz McCormick was chomping tonight. Two home runs. His fourth multi-home run game of his career. His third this year. Diaz and McCormick went back-to-back. Hitters five through nine each had two hits. Look, everybody got a hit. He was a hit parade tonight. And Javier, despite his early struggles, giving up three runs in the first, to Adam Duvall, three-run shot, and struggling with command, only managed to walk three batters and only managed to give up three, Um, and to give up three runs. They got us a, a run late, made it nine to four. The Astros win, the Rangers also lose the Astros gaining game, game in the AL West. Stay tuned in to Locked On Astros for your team every day.
0: The Cubs put together a gritty win. Whew,
2: Cubs survive. Seven, six, crazy game in Detroit. Cubs were up 5 2. Game kind of felt in control and then it all went south in the eighth. Michael Fulmer gave up three runs, some kind of crazy bloopers, broken bats. We all know how that goes. Cubs rallied back in the top of the ninth. Jan Gomes double, Nick Madrigal double, then added one more insurance run on a force play to make it 7 5. Then it got interesting in the ninth, but Mark Leiter Jr. nailed it down with Adbert Ozilai not available. The Tigers are tough. Torkelson and Carpenter right now are as hot as anybody in the American League. and uh, I, I was a little concerned about this series heading into it, and I am very grateful for the win. Cubs uh, continue to play good baseball and build on their lead for that third wildcard spot, and I believe because of the Giants' loss, they actually are tied for the second wildcard spot now as well.
0: Is another story you need to know. The Georgia Bulldogs looked like a juggernaut last season, but will they repeat again this year as SEC champs? Our Locked On hosts from the SEC joined Locked On SEC host Chris Gordy to give their thoughts
3: yeah I hate to follow suit and I hate to you know kind of ride the bandwagon but that's really what it feels right now because it feels like there is an SEC that we're in an SEC this year where there's so much uncertainty and really the most certain thing right now feels like it's Georgia and then it's everybody else I mean they're just that good they have one of the biggest best playmakers in the game and Brock Bowers and I, I don't see anybody really pulling a huge upset against Georgia so I fully expect Georgia to to go into the SEC championship game undefeated. And even if they do lose that game, I still think that Georgia deserves a bid to the college football playoff. And I think that they would get one. I would agree that that Alabama LSU game feels like it's almost like a college football playoff tryout. Because I think that that's going to be the game that wins the West. So you win that game, you head to Atlanta. And then at the end of that, it's who has the better schedule. I think that whether it's Alabama or LSU or whoever is the representative for the SEC West, if that team is able to beat Georgia... To hell if they got two wins. If you can beat Georgia, you deserve to compete for a national title. So I do think that there's absolutely a space there. I think there's a possibility and a path for two SEC teams, Georgia, and then an SEC West representative. But with so many question marks and so much uncertainty surrounding a whole lot of teams in the West, Alabama included, I wouldn't be surprised to see the West kind of beat up on one another and almost eliminate themselves from contention. So I'd put my money on just Georgia, but there absolutely is a path there for two teams. If they're able to upset Georgia in the SEC championship game.
1: Yeah. And it's great to pivot to Eric here because look, you guys talking about Bama was maybe trying to get in as the first two loss team. We were making a case down the stretch of last season for Tennessee going Tennessee wins out. They're going to get in. They went and laid a turd at South Carolina. We know how that worked out, but uh eric how many sec teams are getting in the playoff this year
4: yeah uh, again I, I hate to follow suit but going fourth third and fourth in line here i mean i i can't add much more to what these guys have already said i uh, you know when you when you start in the east um yeah i think i think georgia has got a very good chance of going undefeated obviously the game at tennessee it's going to be huge uh george going on the road to Neyland stadium you know what does georgia look like at that point you'd expect them to be pretty good but again what does tennessee look like at that point how was joe milton progressed throughout the season as being the guy as being the starting quarterback has tennessee dropped a game or two by that point in time uh you know we'll see i think that's the biggest game for georgia heading into the sec championship uh and i, I believe they'll go on so if i'm if i if i'm betting on a team from the sec going to the college football playoff which i believe the sec champion will go to the college football playoff and i think it'll be georgia um, and again, to kind of piggyback off you know, what everybody else said, if somebody were to beat an undefeated Georgia in the SEC championship game, whether they have one loss in the SEC West and LSU and Alabama, I think that team would deserve be deserving, especially with the schedule and the RPI and all that type of stuff that it'll have on its resume. I think that team would be deserving as well. So I'll say Georgia. Um, and again, obviously, November the 18th at Neyland Stadium is going to be huge in that and Tennessee can you know, try try to wreck that a little bit, but I'll say Georgia, and then I think there is a path for the winner of the SEC championship game if you do beat Georgia.
1: I'll give you this, guys. I think two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams get in. I think the Big 12 gets left out, the Pac-12 gets left out, wow. and we just keep this thing rolling. We'll
5: see
3: how Pac-12's it Pac-12's getting left out of everything.
5: <laughs> they <laughs> are. Sorry, They're guys. getting left out of football.
0: Stay up to date all year long in the SEC by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On SEC on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, is Steph Curry the best point guard of all time? Is Steph Curry the best point guard of all time? Locked on NBA hosts Matt Moore and David Ramil weigh in.
5: It depends on how you define, like, if you care, like, you don't have to care about the positions. You don't have to. But if you were to define the positions, it does kind of matter how you define it. I would say the best way I can describe it is Steph's probably, in my opinion, the greatest point guard of all time because he fundamentally changed what point guard is. Like, he fundamentally reshaped the definition of what that role is about the role of that that Position about what that that player does. Um, I have Steph like. I think he is borderline top five all time. Point blank, mm-hmm. like across positions, I think he's top five. Um, you look at the title success for me. This is pretty simple, which is um, the point of basketball is, is to to throw the little round thing into the cylinder with the little net attached. That's the point of the game, and no one has ever been better at it than Steph Curry is the best shooter of all time he is probably the best shooter of all time going forward like the future like forever is a long time but it's gonna i cannot imagine someone being a better shooter than stuff i just can't envision it and to me that that qualifies him as a top five guy all time if you're the best guy at a fundamental skill the most fundamental skill i think you have to be in that conversation I don't consider him the best point guard if we define it the way that we used to like the things that made Magic Johnson a point guard. I don't think Steph's great at the stuff that Steph does. He's the greatest of all time at. So that's kind of like how I wind up defining this. I'm fine putting him as the best point guard of all time. If you're just like he was listed at point guard and he's the best player, that's fine. If you're defining the roles, that's when I start to be like, well, I don't know. He's not necessarily that good at all those things that traditional point guards did.
6: Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I like where you're going with that because, you know, when we started talking about this as a, a subject on today's show, I'm thinking to myself, like, what, what does that even mean anymore? A point guard by today's standards is not the point guard of the 60s or 70s. But a lot of that also has to do with the fact that Magic Johnson changed the way the position is known as being six foot nine and being of his size and being of his skill level. Redefine the idea of the shortest guy on the team has to be the best playmaker because that's all he can do is make sharp passes because he can't get that shot off over anybody that's much bigger. No way for him to get that shot off, he's better be a smart passer. And that's the way they used to think of you know, small New York bred point guards, you know, in the 60s, etc. But that doesn't exist today. Now you've got Magic Johnson as a six foot nine, you know, playmaker, but who can run the floor as quickly as anybody else much smaller than him and I, I think i i don't know I, I to my my idea and that's what it is we're talking about basically the idea of the point guard i still think that there has to be the role of being a a, a you know a setter you have to be a table setter you have to be the guy that can ground you can initiate offense can get guys in the right position to score and maximize whatever sets they're running on offense and that being the case i don't think I don't think that Steph does it better than Magic. I, I just don't think they have different roles. They're different players. And so it's just, it's we've talked about this in a recent show, like when we're talking about the engines of the NBA, and most of those guys that we talked about weren't necessarily like, you know, smallish players. They were much significantly larger. And, and that being Luka Doncic being one of the best, you know, engines in the NBA, right? It, he's more along the lines of a LeBron James or a Magic Johnson. So I, I, I don't know. It all depends on where you define you know, I, I think the idea of, of limiting Steph or Magic to just being a point guard is silly because neither of them fit into what the traditional definition of that, of that position is. And so I, it, it's, the question is unanswerable because the position and the qualities associated with the position have changed so much over the years, starting with Magic in the late 70s and continuing all the way through to Steph Curry.
0: For me, it will always be magic until it's not. Steph Curry still has some time as he's not retired yet, but I think I'll reevaluate after that. And finally, American sprinter Shakari Richardson, whose Tokyo Olympic dreams were dashed after that positive marijuana test, won the 100-meter world title on Monday night, loudly asserting herself as a Paris 2024 medal contender. Richardson gobbled up the track in a blazing personal best of 10.65 seconds at the World Athletics Championships at the National Athletics Center. It was the first women's 100-meter world championship won by an American since 2017. Thank you for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast. Make that your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, who will make the college football playoff? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.